Hello and welcome to Take 18, a podcast where we love to talk about the movies, and that is because we love the movies. This show is produced by the Central Coast Film Society, and hello, my name is Daniel Lair. I am the executive director and founder of the Central Coast Film Society. Pleasure to have you here on board with us in our third season. We've got great stuff all lined up for you. Uh, lots of movie news that's been going out there since we talked last. Uh, the Oscars happened, and boy, that was a, a slap heard around the world right there. Um, not much news on the uh, movie front, though, but man, that, uh, you know, whatever grabs headlines, I suppose. There's been a lot of other fun stuff. Um, we're going to be checking up with uh, some folks and uh, talking about some local movie news going on out there. And, of course, that is going to be with our upcoming guest, Jim D., the owner of the Palm Theater in San Luis Obispo, downtown San Luis Obispo. And he's going to be talking to us about movies, going to the movie theater up there. But, of course, coming up, the San Luis International Film Festival is going to be taking place up there, where we're also going to be having a little mini event. So you guys stay tuned for that. And we'll get you all the details for that in a little bit. So uh, just a quick reminder before we jump in with Jim, uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. That way you can come out and catch up with our episodes as soon as we come out with one. And of course, you can go back and listen to all of our old podcasts. We've got some amazing, amazing interviews. You don't want to miss that. And it's some really fun stuff. I actually was listening to it the other day and I'm just like, wow, we really did this. This is great. And we're going to keep going. So lots of fun stuff. Thanks for being with us. Hope you enjoy this series. And uh, now we're going to just jump right in with Jim D at San Luis Palm Theater. All right. We now have Jim D with us, the owner of the Palm Theater. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having us. So, Jim, you are the owner of the Palm Theater in San Luis Obispo. Um, we'll, we'll get to all that, but tell us a little bit about yourself, how you you got here, and uh, just kind of what, what got you into the business. Well, let's see. Long story short, I was actually born in New Jersey, so I'm actually from the east. Most of my early life was back there, but uh, skipping ahead to 1965, I moved to San Luis Obispo and uh, never left. Um, I went to high school, went to Cal Poly. Um, actually, my focus was on broadcasting. I spent most okay. of my time at, K- at KCPR, and I still do radio. But um, here in San Luis Obispo, uh, in the you know in the 70s. In, uh, we didn't really. We only had a couple of movie theaters, and there was a lot of movies that weren't coming here. And I just thought, you know, there's a real need that needs to be filled. And um, actually, my first theater. Well, I was showing movies here in San Luis Obispo from about 1973 to 76. Kind of a film club called the Cinema Zoo. Yeah. Uh, that that the the word zoo was came from this early term for cinema called zoopraxographical. It was the San Luis Obispo Zoo. Graphical Film Society, oh, all right. Cinema Zoo, and uh, so that was early on in the '70s. But then I had another theater called the Rainbow Theater, which was on Oso Street. That was open from 1979 to 1989. Oh, okay. Uh, then I was able to get into the building where the Palm is in 1988, and that building was originally the Employment Development Department. Uh, it wasn't a movie theater, so I had to create the, the theaters that were in there. We had to dig out the floors and everything like that. 
I did operate both the Palm and the Rainbow for about a year, but the cost of building the Palm uh, just was too much. And so I unfortunately closed the Rainbow Theater over on Oso Street uh, after 10 years. Uh, then focusing on the Palm, we opened in 1988, and believe it or not, we're still here. So about 32, 33 years. Yeah, that and that's a that's an amazing time. And that you were there for firsthand accounts for that entire time period. I mean, I, there's there's quite a few big movies that came out <laughs> during that time that, to be a part of. Um, what what are some of your favorite memories of of like either the big smash movies or big event ticket items that that kind of happened that you were a part of? Well, I mean, if you go back to the '80s, I mean, I'm thinking of films like you know Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense, or uh, the occasional foreign language film that would hit really big. Uh, there was one in the '80s called My Life as a Dog, uh, Cinema Paradiso. Mm. Uh, one of the more recent ones that broke through a few years ago was Parasite from Korea, oh, yeah. which uh, we showed for something like 14 weeks. It won Best Picture, and it was one of those, you know, one of the things that's unpredictable about the movie business is, uh, you know, there's your tried and true uh, blockbusters, you know, the famous stars, famous directors, but then something, you know, squeaks through like <laughs> a Parasite. Or, right. The last Guillermo del Toro film, like The Shape of Water, that won Best Picture. So, um, you know that that's funny. You bring that up. I actually uh, one of the times I went to the Palm was after uh, I was at I was working with Cafe FX, and we had they had just finished doing Pan's Labyrinth right as I I hired in, and when it came out, we went up to the Palm and and we all got to go see it up there during the uh, San Luis Film Festival as well. So that was uh, that was my introduction to the Palm Theater up there. Oh, so. yeah. Guillermo's been making movies for quite some time. We've shown a lot of a lot of his yeah. films. That there was one called The Devil's Backbone, which mm-hmm. was quite good. It was long before Shape of Water. There, he did one of the Hellboy movies, and way early on, I think one of his first films was called Chronos. And if you're a fan of Guillermo del Toro, I suggest you find it. It's it's very interesting. Nice, nice. Uh, what's been your favorite movie to come through there? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can go to top three if you want to do that. Top three. <laughs> um, you know, I've seen a lot of, obviously I've seen a, a lot of movies I, to single out, you know, favorites is, is hard. I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you've seen a few movies in the, in the past 30 some odd years. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, what did maybe piqued my interest back in the 60s is like going to see 2001 a space odyssey oh yeah i thought it was a documentary right Uh i go into the movie theater and i see this movie that completely knocked my socks off and immediately i had to see it again and wow um there's that um you know some of the classic films that we've shown over the years like akira kurosawa oh yeah um hmm, i mean I'm at a loss just because there's so many films that I really love and enjoy. And Dude, just to be, just have a theater uh, to be able to show some of these is great. So, so is that kind of the same type of films that you guys are showing today? Like now, if if I wanted to go up there and go see movies, what kind of movies would I see? Well, um, back in the day, like in the late '70s and '80s, I could bring back older films. Like, I mean, when we first started, 
there was like three TV stations, no pay-per-view or HBO. Right. Then that came in. Then videos and DVDs came in. Um, and now the big deal is streaming and the fact that, you know, there's a lot of competition for movie uh, going. But, um, boy, what was, the, what was your original question? <laughs> well, no, it was just, well, but I mean... One of the things that I was just thinking, though, because you you mentioned something and, and my brain kind of shut off from where I was going at and, and, and I was going, wow, you've been there from, you know, the 60s to today. I mean, you have literally been firsthand account of the transition of, of film, um, you know, exhi- exhibition pro- processes where you you only had those TVs where, you know, <laughs> once it played, it played and that was it. You know, there was nothing else on, you know, and, and for these films, there's nothing there. Fast forward to today where a click of a button and you've literally got almost any movie ever made at your fingertips. And how does that affect you? Like how, how does that, how has it changed your business, you know, and, and how does it change the, the movie going experience for, for the guests? Well, yeah, I, you go to go back to your original question that I forgot. You said, what would you see at the Palm today? And oh, yeah. all, I would say new movies. Uh, uh, people ask me, so well, why don't you bring back Casablanca or show like a film noir or something like that? And, it just doesn't bring people out. I think Turner Classic Movies has really filled in that uh, gap as far as like you mm. know, classic movies or things like that. Um, it's just the nature of the business today. You, you do have to come in with something new, and that's what we try to do each week. There's the rare occasion where there might be a remastered or um, a film that gets uh, re-released or something, sure. and we do that on occasion. But mainly... Uh, I think people want to go out to the movie theater at least now and see new stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what you'll see. And, you know, my job is to hopefully come in with something new each week. Sometimes I don't even think I'm doing my job unless I come in with a new movie every <laughs> Friday or something. Yeah. Obligatory. Well, yeah, no, that's true. But you know what? I, I still think that there are certain films, uh, certain um God, I, I don't know if you want to call them high watermarks, but certain just gems of Hollywood history that I think no matter what, you if you put those on the screen, you're going to get people coming to see it because there is something totally different uh, to watching something on on a big screen format versus something on a, a cell phone that you're, you're not going to oh. get. You're not going to get that same experience at all. And especially, you know, when you when you're introducing something to younger generations, um, you know, who maybe have not seen 2001 Space Odyssey and I, that movie. I mean, Kubrick's work on that. If, if you didn't have a large screen format, you're not seeing it the right way. And and, well, and I think there's a lot of movies back in those days that were made specifically for the idea that it's only going to be shot or only shown in theaters because they didn't even think or fathom of it being on a smaller screen. You had to see it in big screen. Yeah, you know, um, I, I like the way you're saying this, just because, <laughs> I mean, one one up to, uh, up-to-date uh, thing that's going on, for instance, is over the past two years with the pandemic, a mm. lot of, you know, theaters haven't been open, and right. a lot of movies you see streaming on Netflix and that sort of thing. But, you know, the upcoming Oscars, and the Oscars last year, for instance, mm. they're, I think they're down a couple notches because these films 
were not given the full theatrical presentation of the way they were supposed to be seen. Right, yeah. Like, and, you know, access to movies is fine, but again, like what you said, I totally agree, obviously, the theater owner would say, <laughs> the, the best way to see a movie is in uh, a theater on a big screen with an audience. And really, when you get down to it, what we offer at the Palm and at movie theaters in general is that experience that you're in the dark alone, but you're with an audience and you're experiencing this movie in a way that you can't do, whether it's on your cell phone or at your house, even with a group of people. It's it's a different experience. So I'm glad you recognize that. But I do oh, yeah. feel that, you know, enjoying, a you know, they say that the big blockbusters like the Marvel movies or whatever, you know, you got to see those on a big screen, you know my opinion that uh, intimate quiet drama is also better on the big screen yeah you know, it's, yeah so it, it's just the experience of kind of a communal experience you're with an audience in the dark and you're experiencing this movie together yeah absolutely and, and i like what you're talking about with the dramas too because um i think for uh you know shall we say those Oscar movies that tend to, you know, nominations tend to go towards those dramatic roles. Um, you're seeing a performance that has those little subtle nuances on a, you know, it's, it's magnified. Everything's magnified. So you're going to see it. You're going to see a twitch of the eye or a, a smirk somewhere where, where given in the proper context of what you're watching could mean something completely different. And you know, you, that's something on a small screen you're, you're going to miss. Um, so I totally get that, but I mean, maybe what what are your thoughts on kind of the Oscars? You know, we're we're heading into the Oscar season right now, and and you know, a lot of these films um, that that's kind of coming up is is maybe not those Marvel blockbuster movies. You know, it's it's kind of those smaller uh, independent films. But I mean, you know, you look at Netflix; they they've started their their studio, and they're they're getting a lot of nominations and things like that. Yeah, you know, it's funny, prior to the pandemic, a lot of friends who have, who have theaters like The Palm, you know, were talking about, are we competing with Netflix? You know, instead of, uh, you know, just getting people into the theater, we're actually competing with these outlets, uh, these streaming services that are very, you know, extremely reasonable, and they offer all this content. And it's, um, you know, it's just one more obstacle, I think, <laughs> we as theater owners have you know, have been enduring ever since, you know, television came about in the late 40s. But, right. But um, still, uh, as the, your question was about the Oscars. I mean, for me, the Oscars is, it's a good listing of movies that have come out in the previous year. I mm -hmm. mean, if you look at a, this list of movies, it's a pretty good list, even though I'm usually upset that they don't, you know, they'll leave stuff out that they didn't see or movies that came out early in the year usually don't right. make it to the Oscars or so on. But the, for me, the negative side of the Oscars is singling out the best because if you could look at, say, the Best Picture nominees, well, how could you say that, you know, The Shape of Water is better than another movie that's completely different? So in other words, if I look at movies as an art form, Singling out the best one is counterproductive. Mm. It's like going to an art museum. Let's just say you go to the Van Gogh Museum sure. in Amsterdam. Yeah. Do we need to vote on what's the best painting? Right. Right. I mean, it's like, no, it's true. Do we have to, we, do we have to know that? No. It's it's. 
Well, and, and it's all subjective. It's all, you know, it's your opinions. And, and yeah, no, I, I totally understand what you're what you're saying there. So, yeah, interesting point. Um, so and then tell me about, uh, you know, the other thing is that when, when these films are created, though, I mean, these films today are created with the idea of things being shown on on small screens and and uh, you know it, in today's world it's maybe not that big of a deal because um <laughs> like for me at, you know growing up i always knew that there was uh, uh what we called the widescreen letterboxed format on our tvs you know and plugging in a vhs tape that says this film has been modified from its original version um, you know, and, and, uh, I, kids today, uh, they'll never actually kind of understand what that even means or, or how we grew up watching movies and, you know, how television and at home experience was, is completely different than what you'd see because literally things would be let up, let cut off. Um, and, and like I was thinking just back in, in your experience where, where you jumped in, I mean, that was back when they were really kind of experiencing uh, that television, you know, are people going to stay and watch television at home or are they going to go and see the latest and greatest at the theaters, you know, with uh, the different um, aspect ratios and uh, different sound uh, developments. How did, how did you jump with that? Did, did you have to deal with any of things, uh, th- any of those issues or, or um, things that came up through technology and, and, and just advancing all that time? Well, when you mention technology, you know, one of the other, if you want to call it an obstacle or not, you know, I started uh, way early on with 16 millimeter film, which would be maybe shown at colleges or something like that. And then you go to 35 millimeter film, which was the standard uh, for the industry. Of course, there's 70 millimeter, but I, you know, I don't have that. But um, (laughs) 35 millimeter film was what you, how you showed movies for a hundred years since the inception of movies. Well, all of a sudden, here comes digital, and uh, there's no more film, basically, mm-hmm. unless you have a, you know, a theater where you occasionally show a 35 millimeter print of something, which is very specialized. It's almost they almost say that all 35 millimeter prints are archive prints because no one shows them anymore. Mm-hmm. I was about, I think, 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. You get the letter from the studios like Paramount or Warner's, and they say, well, if you want to stay in this business, you've got to go digital. You know, we're not going to provide you with film anymore. Oh, so, wow. So nowadays, um, everything you see is um, digital. The film comes on a hard drive that's about the size of a paperback book. Mm-hmm. And you load it into the projector, and it's all done digitally. So um, that was <laughs> – well, here's the deal. Each of one of these projectors, I had to get three of them. They were 70 thousand dollars wow <laughs> so you're cruising you're cruising along with these trusty 35 millimeter projectors that you've maintained and stuff and all of a sudden you've got to come up with two hundred thousand bucks to go wow so. yeah and you know it's funny one of my first jobs uh back in high school was working at a movie theater and um i i remember going up and having to splice the reels together that we would get and then putting them on the large silver platters uh, yeah, which kind of the yeah, and and it always reminded me of the scene from um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where uh, the the blades are kind of coming out of the wall and you have to dodge them as you're walking by the projection booth. Um, I just remember doing that, but it was uh, it, I remember doing that and then having to string the film through the projector, which actually in turn was really fun because in, when I went to film school, um, they handed us a 16 millimeter camera. 
and they were trying to teach us how to thread the film. And I actually, I, I did it really fast because of having to do it at, at the movie theater. And, but now again, it's, there's no film at all. And so it, it's just, it's really interesting to see how that has changed even just in my lifetime where, you know, and like, I remember, um, and I don't even know if, you know, people listening today would even have noticed it, but before each reel, um, there was always that, that little mark that would hit on the the dot on the upper right hand corner. Yeah. And that was, that was a signal to the projectionist that, okay, here we go to the next reel. And they would literally have to switch over, uh, uh, to the different projector of the different um, real that's going and they had to time it <laughs> so it was that's it was how I, I started when I first went 35 millimeter at the rainbow well, I had two projectors and uh-huh. that's the way it was it's like each reel you know your regular standard size reel is 20 minutes right so you look for that first dot in the upper right hand corner and then you start the other projector that you queued up at 10 seconds and the changeover is usually very you don't see it you know did you ever miss so, it what was that? Have you ever, did you ever miss it? Oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Always no, right on. No, no, no. Yeah. No, it was interesting, though, because, you know, going from that to the platter where you've got to slice everything together, you know, it, right. was, it was multiplexes where you can't have like 10 projectionists doing, you know, 20 minute. Uh, oh, yeah. Angel. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, and I remember when we were doing it. Um, I can't remember the name of the movie, um, but it was one of those where it was like an extra long movie, you know, and it took up two platters, and it was just like it was crazy. Um, wow! But it was it was a it, that was it was a lot of fun, and and I I will always remember just seeing all the film running through everywhere overhead it was it was a fun crazy atmosphere and i i'll i'll cherish that but yeah now it's just uh you push the button and there goes the movie and that that's all there is to it yeah what what film school did you go to well i went to uh i went to santa barbara and then i went to um the academy of art university in san francisco and so great yeah and then i also did a, a usc um it, it was a, a directing producing intensive class uh, for the summer and we were there and, uh, that's actually where I was doing my first 16 millimeter shoot was on the universal back lot. And I got to go shoot out there on the, uh, <laughs> on the Western, you know, we got to pick, uh, different areas where to shoot. And I, so I was out there with my Bolex 16 millimeter and we were, um, we were just shooting a, a silent movie with black and white 16 millimeter out there. And that was just, Fabulous. that was so much fun. It was so much fun. You know, I, I should bring this up very quickly. Now, I have not seen the restored version that Peter Jackson did of the Beatles' Let It Be, you know, the new one. Right, yeah, yeah. But I'm looking at these images, and that was all shot on 16-millimeter film. That's crazy. Yeah. Fabulous. I mean, I don't know what Peter Jackson did, but I thought, this is all 16-millimeter, and it looks almost it looks better than 35, you know? You know, so, and, and Peter Jackson did another thing with... Um, can't remember the name of this world movie the world the world war two uh world war one I, I think it was or was it two or was colorized, it all that yeah footage. where it was colorized and that blew me away i could not mm-hmm. believe it it was absolutely phenomenal and and just the the stories that you could tell and where the thing that i didn't realize when going into the movie i didn't realize that what he was going to do was he got lip readers to l- read the lips of the soldiers 
and then had actors perform the dialogue and do ADR on it. And it, it was amazing. You had no, like, you see the footage all the time. But then when this World War One, you know, soldiers walking by, you can hear what he's saying now because of the lip readers and the the dialogue that's being dubbed in. And it's just absolutely fantastic work. Yeah. Boy, you know, I've yet to see the Beatles stuff, but I, I'm yeah, a I, Beatles fan, I, but I haven't seen it yet. Right. Exactly. Um, no, it, it would, that would be fun. And then, um, so what other things do you do at the, uh, at the Palm? Are you guys a part of the San Luis film festival up there as well? Yeah. You know, I was pretty instrumental in getting that started back in the early nineties. And so, um, I used to really be on the board and everything in the early days, but at basically now, in fact, it's coming up in April. I forget it's mid to late April. It's normally in March, but because of the pandemic, they put yeah. it ahead, which is, you know, during a pandemic, you can't plan anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, <laughs> not at all. Uh, every year, uh, you know, we've had most of the screenings at the Palm. And like this year, I just say, give me the schedule and we'll, we'll accommodate it. And uh, so, yeah, I've been involved with the San Luis Film Festival every single year. So, and that's in the 25th now or something. So, yeah, um, that's been going really well. So, Do you guys do other private events or anything like that? Like... You know, it's one of the things that was interesting, like there, how theaters were trying to adapt during COVID. And, and one of the things, you know, is they you could rent out a theater. You can do all these sort of things. Do you guys do anything like that? We were pretty much closed up for 14 months. I just felt oh. that, you know, when it, we first had to close, I just thought, well, I'd, we just have to wait for the vaccine because yeah. and really I have to say that indoor theaters really took one of the biggest hits. Uh, it's still we're still kind of slowly emerging out of the pandemic i i think batman's doing pretty good right it's doing pretty good here's here's a funny one for you the i think the biggest opening film ever was the last avengers movie endgame oh yeah second biggest opening was the recent spider-man movie during a pandemic (laughs) right so there you go well that goes to show the power of those movies though too and and you know the importance they have for film movie theaters and things like that so it's a little discouraging. Like, I mean, sure, I want people to go to the movies, but the, you know, Spider-Man makes thousands. Yeah, makes like two hundred dollars. I know. So it's like, it's just it was that was the vacuum cleaner right there that sucked all the business. You know? Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. But you know what? People are coming back to see movies. I think, and I think it's it. We're we're kind of seeing the uh, light at the end of the tunnel now, where where everyone's feeling a little bit more comfortable about going into those spaces, which is great because you know I'm just like you were you know, a huge proponent of of you know if you feel safe if you're feeling good go to the theater and go see these movies because seeing them with people seeing them with with crowds around you is definitely the way to go um because you you definitely get a different experience and i think especially going to a really cool theater like the palm you know and and uh it it's unique it's fun and and definitely uh definitely a fun way to experience those movies be it a popular movie a new movie like you say or something that you wouldn't normally see um like you know one of Guillermo's movies or uh you know Parasite you know, the, those movies as well they 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 don't make a big splash at your metroplex um uh, but it it's definitely still worthy of that silver screen time and and your enjoyment of it oh i i totally agree so you know one thing i was going to mention to you when we were talking about uh 
well, maybe in the 80s, like when videos came in, and this is more of a weird, my own little personal psychological take on movies, but yeah. prior to videos, you know, how did you experience a movie? You went to a movie theater and you enjoyed it, and then when you left, you go, I have the memories, or maybe I had an emotional, maybe this movie made me cry or something like that, but that's how you owned the movie. But when videos came in, you could buy it at Costco, you know? Right. I mean, here's this, here's this movie that you could only experience just like with just you experience it. But now you could buy it, hold it in the palm of your hand, you could watch it over and over. And there was just something that happened there. There was sort of, I mean, I'm sounding silly, saying there was sort of a magic that was lost in the fact that the only way you really took in movies prior to videos and stuff was in the movie theater. And you, you took it out with your memories and your emotions. But, you know, owning a movie, which is all fine and good, I'm not against it, but something happened there where there was something lost about those, maybe the mystery or the, you know, the theater experience. Yeah. This unique thing that you couldn't buy or own other, unless you went to the movie theater. So You know, that's it's interesting that you say that because, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I I was around, you know, I was born in the early 80s, and uh, so I've I've always been around with VHS tapes. Um, But uh, it's interesting, though, because I kind of understand what you're saying in a sense of, like, even um, with with technology uh, vacationing. Um, You know, if, if, for example, you go to, like, Disneyland or something nowadays, everyone's got their phones in their pockets and they're out there taking photos. Um, But I remember as a kid, you know, not... Nobody really had that, you know, if you brought your camera, it was a a film camera and it took a lot of things to do, but you wouldn't necessarily have all these pictures and the memories of you just being there and being in the moment is, is, uh, you're right. It it is, there's something more special about that. And instead of always kind of, um, just having it, having your appetite fed whenever you want, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's a weird thing, but it, it's true. It's, um, there's something special about being able to go to an exclusive sit down spot and not have any other distractions. And mm-hmm. that's what you're there for. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Jim, um, how can we, so are you guys open all, uh, what days are you open? Are you, are you open every day or what, what's going on up there? If well, people want to come just- see you. What, what's really weird to me is, you know, I think theaters should be open seven days a week, you know, 24-7 all year long. Since we came out of the pandemic and things were rather slow, although I should tell you we had a really good weekend just this <laughs> Right. So, so things are definitely, you know, we're emerging out of the pandemic. But um, we're closed on Tuesdays right now. It just gives us a little breathing time. And um, I would like to think that once things get back going, I would like to be open like we've always been you know, seven days a week and everything like that. But right now we're closed on Tuesday, but we're open all the other days. We have extra matinees on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, we are, as I said, emerging out of the pandemic. I'm very happy to note that we had a pretty good weekend just this weekend. Great. All right. And and where can we find you in San Luis? I don't know if we got the address out there. 817 Palm Street. Uh, there you go. Right in the downtown, right next to the Mission, pretty much. All right, there you are. All right, Jim D. with Palm Theater, thank you so much for taking time to come and talk to us and uh, really looking forward to it. And uh, I need to get up there and go see some movies. 
I hope you do. <laughs> I appreciate your interest. Really, really, uh, thank you so much for the call. Of course. Thank you so much, Jim. Take care, Daniel. So something I wanted to touch on real quick is uh, we haven't talked about it in a while, but it's kind of the box office report. What's going on? And, you know, we've kind of jumped in. We're already in the uh, well into the second quarter here. But I also just wanted to kind of touch base and look at where we are for the year of 2022 and where we're at in box office reports, simply because, you know, things are starting to reopen since we all talked about this with COVID and everything. Uh, the theaters are definitely hoping to get business back. And it looks like that is happening with a couple of big movies. Uh, the number one movie of 2022 is The Batman. That's right. That came out. Uh, it's currently got a total gross of $359 million. And that came out on March 4th. Number two is Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, however, that did come out on December 17th. So, of course, you've got that first, uh, what is that, week and a half, two weeks of um, run that is not counted towards this year uh, with total gross of $803 million as of right now. Uh, number three is Uncharted. So Tom Holland's <laughs> looking like he's he's quite happy so far in 2022, but it's still early. You know, it's uh, early uh, mid April as we record this, um, and it, that's at 142 million dollars. Sing Two is a kind of a surprising number four, and that's at 162 million dollars. And number five is uh, Scream with $81 million. Um, I will say, though, that number six is Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That is uh, at currently at $71 million here on the opening weekend as it came out. So it's 71. That's definitely going to be passing Scream up here uh, <laughs> probably tomorrow by the time this comes out. Um, so I'm guessing Sonic is going to just zoom right up there into the top charts as well. But of course, there are lots of movies coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, one thing I'm very excited about is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Marvel has been knocking it out of the park lately with their uh, just their series that they've had on Disney+. Plus. Moon Knight is currently debuting, um, and so far it is, uh, that's a really fun show. I might do a full review um, once that's all out, and you know, because kind of like with WandaVision, if you watch the first couple of episodes, you really don't know what's going on, but once you get to the very end, there's now you've stepped back and there's this huge picture that has been painted, and I love the way that Marvel does that, and that is definitely what's going on here in uh, Moon Knight right now on Disney+. Plus. Also, can I just say how incredibly excited I am for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming out in uh, May, in the end of May? Oh my gosh, I cannot wait for that. Anyway, so that's kind of your box office report and movie news. Things are starting to open up. Uh, not much else, though, is going on out there. The streaming services are still very active. There's been that new uh, merger between um, Discovery and uh, Warner Brothers, so it's kind of an interesting um uh, merger that's huge, massive merger. Um, so I'm why are there not that's going to change kind of the streaming strategy of like HBO Max and things like that is yet to be seen, but uh, we'll kind of I guess we'll see what happens there with Fantastic Beasts when that comes out. Um, also looking very forward to that as well. So, uh, definitely, definitely excited for that. All right, so let's go ahead and move on and check out some of our events that are coming up. 
we're going to be talking with a couple of folks up at the San Luis International Film Festival. And we're actually going to be, uh, I'm going to ask, invite Sarah Risley, who's our newly elected president of the board of Central Coast Film Society. She's been working with Sky up there at the at the film festival. And uh, we're actually going to be hosting in uh, a little mixer up there for Coast, the feature film out here that was shot out here locally and all about here so um we're going to be joining up with those folks and we're going to have a lot more details on that soon and uh, some treats there for some of our members so just a little tease a little taste of what's going on but there's also going to be a live uh podcast stream of a writer's workshop so don't want to miss that we'll get those details out to you guys here very very soon And that's going to be a wrap on this edition of Take 18. This has been a production of the Central Coast Film Society, a 501c3 charitable organization, which means we can't make this show or anything else that we do without your generous support. So please help make a difference and consider a donation or purchasing a membership or attending one of our events. You can find all that information available at centralcoastfilmsociety.org. And that's also where you can sign up for our newsletter. And of course, you can just check us out on social media. So I want to thank you all for listening to the very end. This has been a lot of fun and thank you Jim once again for stopping by to talk to us all about movies and up there at the Palm Theater definitely going to have to go up there and check it out again it's been way too long for me so thank you again for all your support everybody out there and uh, that's a take 